What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Face the Hill Podcast. Ralph here with another weekly recap of NXT. Uh, so last week I thought it was a really good episode. They had two great steel cage matches, so I was very curious if they were going to be able to compete with last week's episode, and it was going to be better, slightly subpar due to it. I know they had scheduled two title matches for this week to kind of, I think, compete with themselves. So uh, to start the night, you have... The North American champion, Keith Lee, putting his title on the line against Cameron Grimes. This and one other match tonight I felt were very rushed and short. Uh, it felt like it was only like maybe a five-minute episode. Possibly it was longer, and I just didn't really notice the time, but it really felt like these two didn't have much time to do a lot. You know, they maybe did a couple moves, and it was just quick. Uh, I think it was there just to set something up, because once the match was over, Cameron Grimes kind of rolled out of the ring. And Keith Lee is standing in the middle of the ring with his title up. And Damian Priest comes from behind him, uh, attacks him with a baton. He gets knocked down, and Damian Priest is about to uh, attack Keith Lee some more. And Dominic Dijakovic came out uh, and kind of ran Damian Priest out of the ring through the crowd. And he went to go help up Keith Lee. And Keith Lee probably assumed, or at least they're setting up to show that uh, Keith Lee assumed it was the same person who just attacked him. So he picks up Dominic Dajakovic and gives him effectively a modified spine buster and just slams him into the mat, grabs his title, rolls out of the ring, and kind of looks back over his shoulder, uh, giving the look like, yeah, you know, you attack me, I'm going to defend myself, when really Dominic was just actually trying to help him because, you know, these guys have kind of created this friendship through their rivalry and, you know, during war games where they teamed up with uh, Ciampa and just kind of feuded with Undisputed Era. So it was very interesting to see this little dynamic that's going on. I don't know if they're going to set up a 1v1 match at Tampa Bay, or maybe we're going to get a triple threat match with uh, Dominic, Keith Lee, and Damian Priest, which I actually think that could be an insane match, because I think all three of those guys are really good competitors. After that, we moved on to a, another uh, ladder match qualifier with... Mia Yim and Dakota Kai. This one I really expected with, you know, the history going on with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Like, maybe they were, like, Tegan Knox was going to get involved, causing Dakota Kai to lose it. Uh, they put on a pretty good match. It went on for a decent while until Raquel Gonzalez tried to interfere with the match. And while she was doing that, Dakota Kai rolled up. Medium, and she's like holding her down, and the ref is just too busy focusing on Raquel to tell her to like go away. That Dakota Kai comes over to the ref, like spins him around and says count. And during that, Mia Yim ends up rolling up Dakota Kai and getting the pin on her. So they finally had it so Raquel's relationship with Dakota Kai ended up actually costing her a match, which also cost her qualifying for the ladder match at Tampa Bay. But to kind of make it up to Dakota Kai, Raquel gets into the ring and just takes out Mia Yim. Uh, I don't know what the need for that was or what's going on, but it was, I feel really, uh, Raquel trying to apologize to Dakota for costing her that match. That was uh, another kind of short match. I didn't feel like a lot really got to happen. Uh, I think they were just trying to fit so much in the episode that the first couple matches were just very short, in my opinion. I think... You know, it was really good, great talent, and they just kind of did nothing. Uh, I felt like they just didn't have the time, because like I said, they just, they did a lot tonight, I think, to set stuff up, either right going into Tampa Bay, or just to set up in longevity-wise. 
because after Miyama Dakota Kai, Kushida faced off against Raul Mendoza, who yet again, you know, I actually wanted to see what Raul had to do, and also I love watching Kushida fight, so I was hoping for like you know a good like ten, maybe even fifteen minute match, and you know it was just kind of a very short match that all of a sudden it ended with Kushida getting an armbar off the top rope and just tapping out Raul Mendez. Which, interestingly enough, uh, later on in the show, Raul randomly gets kidnapped by two guys in luchador masks. So, I don't know if maybe they're about to set up some sort of weird, like, secret order society thing, or maybe Raul pissed someone off, so they're taking him back to their leader. I don't know, that's an interesting route. We'll see what goes on. I know... Triple H wanted something in NXT, which is why he actually tried to keep Matt Hardy back in WWE and actually asked him to come to NXT, and he wanted broken Matt Hardy, and he wanted him to run, like, a broken stable and have his own faction, but Matt Hardy decided to take his talents elsewhere because he really wants to let his, like, creative juices flow. It's not so much about, like, titles or anything like that. He just wants to really, like show off what he can do still, both on the creative side and the ring side. So, Mendoza gets kidnapped randomly. We'll see what happens with that. I I have no guesses or inclination of, like, what could happen with that. Uh, WWE hasn't done something like this for a while, so it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, Rhea Ripley came out to cut a promo. Uh, Monday night, she interrupted Charlotte Flair and actually slapped her. Uh, So I was expecting Charlotte Flair to come out. You know, after a couple sentences of Rhea Ripley talking, of course, here comes Charlotte Flair. Uh, the thing that made me laugh the most was uh, as she was walking down to the ring, the entire crowd, which, you know, a few weeks ago when she came back of the Royal Rumble, everyone was chanting, like, welcome home. And now all of a sudden tonight, uh, she comes walking out of the ring and everybody was chanting, go back to Raw. And I was just like, wow, that was a quick turn from, like, welcoming her back to NXT to telling her to GTFO, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Uh, so she comes walking down the ring, talking a bunch of trash to Rhea Ripley, gets on the apron, and uh, as she starts to put her leg through the ropes to get in the ring, she starts telling Rhea Ripley, like, there's nothing you can do about it, you're not going to do anything, to which Rhea Ripley charges Charlotte, they start fighting a little bit, Charlotte Flair hits her with a high kick, uh, knocks her down, they start fighting back and forth a little bit more, but finally Charlotte Flair gets the better of it, and she gets Rhea Ripley on the mat. She rolls out to the ring and pulls Rhea Ripley over to the ring post and starts wrapping her leg around it, damaging her knee. And then while she's wrapped around the ring post, Charlotte Flair puts the figure four on her. Charlotte Flair is trying to, you know, beat up Rhea Ripley before their big cuddle match in just a few weeks from now. So I imagine they're going to go back and forth, probably between Raw and NXT a few more times. That, I think, could be a really good match, because Charlotte Flair, I think, has gotten a lot better over the years. When she first showed up, I thought she was okay. When she first showed up on Raw, I thought she was okay. Uh, I think she's gotten a lot better over the past few years, and I think Rhea Ripley's just insanely talented and gifted, that I'm very excited to see where her career takes her. Uh, another interesting like promo interview that happened was they were actually at the Performance Center tonight as opposed to Full Sail University. Uh, so they're interviewing Tyler Breeze and they're saying, you know, this is where superstars are made. This is where it all began. You know, it all began for you. And so as Tyler Breeze is trying to do this like real quick interview, Austin Theory interrupts him and is just like, oh, yeah, no, I'll uh, 
I remember when you were relevant, like when I was in high school, and he was like kind of trying to make fun of Tyler Breeze here and there, and he's just like just effectively trying to shit on him. So Tyler Breeze takes a picture of him, and he goes, "Oh yeah, look at that!" And Austin's just like, "Why are you taking a picture of me?" And he's just like, "Oh, I just wanted to keep a picture of a flash in a pan wrestler," and I it gave me a good laugh. So I'm assuming those two are going to start feuding. I don't know if that'll be at WrestleMania or just like a quick match next week or the following week. Probably just someone to put Austin Theory over, which. I think Tyler Breeze was a really good wrestler, super underused, and could have done a lot more. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, he's at the point of his career where WWE is probably not going to do anything with him except use him kind of as a stepping stone to put over other talents. So I could see him and Austin Theory having a couple matches, and it could be good. Uh, I'm hoping it is. Uh, and then after that, we had a second uh, ladder match qualifier for Tampa Bay with Tegan Knox and Diona Perrazzo, who. We've seen in, like, the Mae Young Classic, and I haven't really seen her on NXT if she's had a match since the Classic. I just can't recall it to save my life. Uh, so I thought this one was interesting. I really, really expected uh, Dakota Kai to get involved, uh, because since she lost her qualifier match in the beginning of the night, I thought she was going to come out and cost Tegan Knox hers. Uh, shockingly enough, Dakota Kai never came down. Uh, it was an okay match. Like, there wasn't a lot going on in it, like, same as the first couple matches, it felt a little rushed because, you know, Deanna got a couple moves in and then just out of nowhere, uh, Knox hits her with the Shiniest Wizard to pin her and move on. So now we got uh, three people in the match. We have Chelsea Green, Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox, which so far they're starting to pull up, I think, a pretty good ladder match. Uh, next week, we have another qualifier with Candice and Mercedes Martinez, which uh, I think she's really good. I used to watch her on the indie scene. Candice LeRae, we've watched her on the indie scene. We've watched her on NXT. She's amazing. So that could be a really good match. I didn't catch if there was a stipulation, which I highly doubt. All the matches so far have been, you know, just straight up 1v1. It's not like a notice qualification match or anything like that. It's just a straight up singles match, and the winner qualifies for the latter match. There's even a Walter and Finn promo, which set up them saying uh, Finn is going to be at NXT UK this week, which... Like I said last time, you know, I could, this could be a really good match. I'm really excited to see it. Really, really hope the title is not on the line because putting Finn over in UK would just be super unfortunate in my opinion. Like, I think he still has a lot to do for the company over here, whether it's saying on NXT, going back to the Raw show, or even going to SmackDown. So I'm hoping it's just a one-time match, but... Who knows, maybe he randomly gets a stable together and he goes over to UK permanently and fights against Imperium, but I really don't know what's going on with that one. It really felt like they just wanted to have those two involved at Tampa Bay and just didn't know how to involve them. So they were just like, let's just have them fight each other. So I'm kind of hoping it's good. We'll find out. Uh, shortly after that one, we also had a weird, like, apocalypse desert death promo. So I'm assuming that's promoting someone to come. I'm definitely going to look more into that, go back and rewatch that promo and see if I can figure out any clues at who's coming, or maybe it's a brand new superstar we've never seen before, because uh, I just feel like they don't use like these weird build-up promos to like get people excited for someone's return. Like uh, with Y2J, they had the whole uh, crack the code when he returned the one time. Uh, you had Velveteen Dream recently using uh, these pictures telling you to pay attention to this specific date, which he showed back up. Uh, you have one going on on SmackDown right now, which uh, my co-host and I believe it's Ali, probably setting himself up to randomly come back for something. I don't know if he's going to go for a title or if he's just going to show up to show up because 
all the titles are kind of spoken for right now, and they're all in feud. So I don't know really what they're building to uh, getting people excited about Ali coming back, but he is a really good wrestler. He cuts great promos. He's very personable and easy to connect with. So I, I'm not mad that they're doing something with him. I'm happy they're finally doing something with him. And then for the main event match, we had the second of the title matches tonight. We had the Broserweights versus Undisputed Era. Uh, Undisputed Era comes down to the ring. They're walking down, and they get into the middle of the ring. They start cutting promos. They're effectively saying how they're mad about like everything that's been going on, to which then they get interrupted, and Velveteen Dream uh, appears on the little perch where like William Regal and other people appear behind the announcer's desk. Velveteen Dream challenges Adam Cole to Tampa Bay for his title. To which Adam Cole goes on about saying how Velveteen Dream hasn't earned anything. He doesn't deserve a title match. Like, he's not going to get it. He effectively, Velveteen Dream is just trying to play more mind games. He brings up how he's been using Roger Trunks' family against him. And he's like, dude, it's just faces on Trunks. Like, I don't know why you're getting so mad. Velveteen and Adam Cole, I think, could be a really good match. Uh, and then Adam Cole decides to bring up how next week he's going to be celebrating his championship. Because he's about to become the longest reigning NXT champion in history, which I think that's really cool. I love Adam Cole. If anyone deserved it, he's, I think, definitely up there for one of the people that did. So I'd imagine next week during the celebration, Velveteen Dream is going to come out and interrupt it and do something to effectively humiliate Adam Cole in some way, whether it's, you know, just doing something stupid like throwing pie in his face or cake, or maybe just something altogether different that I can't think of right now. And that's probably going to set them up to maybe have a match, which if Velveteen Dream wins, he then gets the title match. Or Adam Cole simply just puts the title on the line because he says he wants to fight Velveteen Dream. Which I'd imagine Velveteen Dream might try to argue for a stipulation like a steel cage match or something like that. Or he might just have a heads-up match at Tampa Bay. But I'm really excited to see that match because Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, I think, are the future of, like, NXT and maybe even WWE as a whole. So once that Velveteen Dream walks away, the bros rates come out. They start fighting against Undisputed Era. They put on a really good match. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Undisputed Era is amazing. I think Matt Riddle and Pete Dune are amazing. I still am not sold on them as a tag team. I prefer them to be a singles competitor. But, you know, so far they're doing some really good funny stuff. The matches continue on. All of a sudden, Adam Cole and Roger Strong are kind of like getting up on the apron, getting involved a little bit. Uh, so when Roger Strong gets the referee distracted, Adam Cole gets in the ring. Pete Dune makes like a loud clapping noise and drops to the ground, to which the referee turns around. He sees Adam Cole standing and Pete Dune on the ground holding his face. So Pete Dune goes a little Eddie Guerrero here. And he starts, like, pointing at Adam Cole, saying, like, how he hit him. And all of a sudden, Matt Riddle gets into the ring and gets in the ref's face. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he super kicked him. And he starts, like, mimicking a super kick into Pete Dune's face. Roger Strong and Adam Cole are trying to tell the ref, no, we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. And the whole time, Pete Dune's holding his face like he just got hurt. Matt Riddle is just mimicking this super kick over and over again. To which, finally, the ref throws those two out. And Matt Riddle and Pete Dune just have a good laugh to themselves. The match continues on. A whole bunch of good moves. And then all of a sudden, the Grizzled Young veterans come along. They come down to the ring and they kind of try to interfere again. Uh, they get Matt Riddle's attention. And while his back is turned, Bobby Fish tries to attack him. Matt Riddle sees him in the back of his head, flips Bobby Fish over the top rope into the Grizzled Young Veterans, to which Matt Riddle and Pete Dune tag team finish Kyle O'Reilly to pin him and retain the titles. So I'd imagine now it's going to set up Grizzled Young Veterans and the Broserweights at Tampa Bay, 
which I'm not mad with that. If they gave Gru Young Veterans the titles, I think that'd be awesome. I think they're a really great heel. They're really, like, straightforward and brute, and they don't care what anyone has to say about it. So I think they could be a really good addition to not only NXT and the tag team division, but putting them as, like, the face of it and giving them the titles. So we'll see what happens with that one. I'd imagine uh, Broserweights and Undisputed Era are kind of done for now. Who knows? Maybe they'll have another match or two, or we'll even have a triple threat match at Tampa Bay. But I could definitely see them going up against the Grizzled Young Veterans and dropping the titles to them. When that match was over, it looked like the show was trying to start to wrap up, to which Tommaso Ciampa's music hits, comes down to the ring, and he's demanding answers from Johnny Gargano. He just wants to know, like, why, similar to everyone else, to which Gargano answers him uh, on the screen. He's actually in a different part of the performance center, and he starts going on about how he's, like, pissed that, like, effectively everyone is now on his side. And he's like, you know, you get a neck injury, you come back, and you're just, like, welcomed with open arms, and just, like, everyone is chanting your name, everybody loves you, but, you know, you try to do all these things to me, you backstab me, you try to hurt me, you try to hurt my wife, you hurt the fans, and everyone's just forgiving you. So, effectively, Gargano's just going on being pissed off about all the things Ciampa did to him, and now he's, like the face of the company and everybody loves him, everybody chants his name, to which while he's doing this, Ciampa gets out of the ring and goes to the meeting room where he knows exactly where Gargano is, gets into the room, they start feuding and fighting, they bring it throughout the entire performance center. Uh, they're fighting in this meeting room, throwing chairs at each other, throwing fists, they make it into the trainer's office, and you know Gargano tries to uh, hit Ciampa with a crutch. Ciampa throws a, you know, like a push cart right at Gargano, hits him, he drops the crotch, Ciampa picks up the crotch, hits him over the back with it, and they're just feuding all over the place, they end up going into the weight room, Ciampa has the upper hand, then all of a sudden, Gargano spins it on him, and he puts him through a glass door at the weight room, and it looks like Gargano's just going to start winning this one, Ciampa comes back, uh, he starts hitting Gargano, and he picks up a giant, like, 50-pound kettlebell, and he tries throwing it at Gargano's head. It misses him, and it goes up against uh, a bunch of mirrors on the wall, shattering that. They start fighting throughout the ring. Uh, they're trying to just hit each other with whatever they can find. They're jumping over the crowd, jumping through the crowd to fight each other, and finally they end up on the perch right behind the announcer's table. Gargano rips off the guardrails there, obviously showing like he wants to throw Ciampa off the purge onto the table. They're going back and forth. Gargano gets him into a lock, and it looks like he's just going to make Ciampa pass out, and then he's going to throw him over. And then finally, uh, Ciampa gets out of it. They start fighting back and forth again, and Ciampa ended up picking up Gargano and just taking them both off the balcony through the table, and it was one of the most brutal-looking things I've seen, but it was amazing. So it's going to set up probably, I'm hoping, like, either a last man standing or a no disqualification match. Like, I know we've had these matches with them, but I don't want just a typical 1v1 match with them at Tampa Bay. I want something insane. Like, I want a last man standing match with the loser having to go to, like, Raw or SmackDown, which, honestly, like, these two have kind of said, like, that, that would actually be a bigger punishment than retiring. They love NXT. They want to stay on NXT. They have both said they've been called up and they turned it down. They want to stay here. They don't want to go to Raw or SmackDown. This is their home. This is where they want to stay. So I could see, like, this weird stipulation match coming about saying, like, the loser has to go somewhere. But I could also see it just being a flat-out, like, final match and the winner becomes the number one contender for the NXT championship. But 100%, it better be, like, like I said, a no-DQ match, a... 
last man standing match, a stretcher match, a buried live match. It needs to be something insane. It can't just be a 1v1 match, in my opinion. So like I said, it was jam-packed last week. I felt like we only had a couple matches, and a lot of them got to kind of showcase and do something with the steel cages. This week, you know, we had five matches plus a bunch of promos because we're starting to get into, like I said, the home stretch for WrestleMania and NXT Tampa Bay. So a lot has to happen because right now, Tampa Bay, we only have two matches set up for NXT. So they really have to start kind of pushing these storylines. So they have like an NXT takeover because currently right now, you just have like nothing. Like Keith Lee isn't defending the title against anyone. Adam Cole's not def- defending his title against anyone. Broser Waits aren't defending the title. Like just nothing is happening. The only thing we have is Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. But they have all this potential setting up by building all these storylines. So I'd imagine over the next week or two, we're going to start finally seeing like what the NXT Takeover card is going to look like. And I think it could be one of the best Takeover shows yet. And similar to every other Takeover show. It could still just be better than the main show on Sunday. So we'll see what happens. Hoping next week we kind of start getting some clarity of who we'll see against each other. And we'll also get a couple more answers of who's going to be in the ladder match for the number one contender for the women's title. This is Ralph signing off. Have a good one, guys.